This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. The focus on retirement savings and investing continues, but one area of focus is now and will be in the future are the changes that some of these investment companies are making and the use of technology to make those changes. Hence, hence, excuse me, the growth of robo-advisors. The use of algorithms to set plans in place fits right into the world of big data that we live in. We wanted to take a look at this uh, recent push, and we are joined on the phone by John Stein, who is the CEO and founder of investment firm Betterment, and also joining me here in the studio to join in the discussion, Wharton's Olivia Mitchell, who's executive director of the Pension Research Council, and she's also director of the Center on Pensions and Retirement Research here at the Wharton School. John, great to have you on the show with us today. Great to be here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Olivia. Great to have you as well. My pleasure. I guess when, when you're talking about you know investing and people saving for their careers, I guess to a degree we shouldn't be surprised that we're seeing more and more of this. Correct, Olivia? Absolutely. We have the software now, and most people have some access to the internet through phones or laptops or what have you. And um, these are hard problems, figuring out how much to save, where to invest, and what to do with your money in retirement. So we could use help. So, John, how fast, how quickly is this industry coming along right now, especially with the use of technology? What we're seeing is incredible growth. Betterment is, is leading this growth, of course. We've managed now over $8 billion for 240,000 customers. And our growth path over the past few years has been faster than the growth of mutual funds, faster than the growth of ETFs, even when those products were new in their early days. This idea of technology-driven smarter investing, really transforming the way that people think about what they do with their money is taking off in a way that's never been seen before. John, if I may, um, some of our listeners might not be terribly well-versed in what the term robo-advisor means, and it's kind of a, a shorthand for a lot of different products. Give us a, your own take on what that term means and what kind of advice robo-advisors are providing to customers. Yeah, so our our product, uh, our, our the products in, in robo advisors can be very different. You said there may be a, a lot of uh, people who don't understand uh, what's offered out there. Betterment offers customers a, a a solution that does all of the things you should do with your money, and automates them so that uh, that you you do them without having to think about them. And, uh, and provide that at incredibly low cost. We think about it as taking all the things that maybe you, you would get if you did everything you should do with your money and packaging that up using technology to drive the cost down. So that's, it's obviously good, right? Like that's something everyone should, should be doing. Uh, and I think that's, that's what's driving the, the, the growth of the industry. Well, let me turn it around just to clarify. Um, what kinds of advice do robo-advisors not provide? I would say there are a range of different services out there. And I think one of the, uh, the difficult things about defining a term like robo-advisor is that uh, since the launch of Betterment, there are now dozens of Me Too firms. The big firms, Schwab, Vanguard, uh, Fidelity, all of them are getting into the business, trying to imitate what, what, what Betterment has pioneered. And many of them in fact, none of them are as good as, as, as what Betterman is doing. And, and, and I think they all offer um, some sort of lesser version of, of, of advice. Uh, 
you can get uh, uh, financial planning. You can get access to human advisors. Uh, and so mm-hmm. for the customer, I would say, really look at the offering and, and look at what you're getting before you before you make a choice. So is this part of the industry kind of viewed as as the investment version of disruption right now? This is, I think, where um, in financial services, uh, it, you know, beyond just investing, I think the most exciting changes are happening. If you look at what's happening from a regulatory perspective with the proposed Department of Labor rule about fiduciary advice, yeah. with, uh, with what the CFPB is considering around access to customer data, there's a lot of interest uh, in, uh, in how we align financial services better with customer best interests. And how do we provide services that customers want, which is, uh, which is advice fundamentally. Eighty-three uh, percent of, uh, of of retirement plan participants say they want more advice than what they're getting, and yet only 0.1 percent of the mass market has a fiduciary financial advisor. So there's this huge gap in financial services. Everyone wants advice because the world is getting more complex, and almost no one gets that advice. So when we think about our, our services, this you know, thing we call a, a robo-advisor, it's really about providing guidance and support to people who need it uh, and otherwise wouldn't get it. That is the future of financial services, not just investing, but everything you do with, with your money should be optimized for you. It should be maximized so that you make the most of your money across all the things that you're doing. Well, then when you think of, of your customer base right now, if you're doing it on a percentage basis, really how many of those consumers are ones that, that do need that guidance, that do need that, that helping hand along the way, or compared to ones that have a pretty good handle on what they want to do with their investments? I think there's this challenge in investing that people think, you know, oh, the best thing you can do is to figure it out yourself. It's as though we live in a world where everyone thinks the best thing to do is to go home and perform surgery on yourself. <laughs> not. <laughs> you can do a lot better. Uh, we do things for our customers at Betterment that no one else does uh, and that you can't do for yourself. So we can trade fractional shares for you to tax loss harvest for you every day, to rebalance dynamically, to shield your dividends across your accounts. We do things that people, even if you spent all day, every day. You couldn't do it to the level that we do it because of the technology that we've built, because we, because we manage our own broker-dealer, because we are able to optimize in ways that the incumbent giants can't. They just haven't been built to optimize for customers' best interests. They haven't been built to maximize your money. People don't understand this, and so we, there's a lot of work that we're doing to open people's eyes. The, 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 reti- the, the strategies of 40 years ago, the idea that you buy and hold a single mutual fund don't actually maximize your money. And, and, and I realize that's a hard thing to hear for a lot of people who've been doing that for a long time. It used to be the best thing you could do, but now you can do so much better, and, and we're opening people's eyes to that fact. Let me ask a little bit of a, a background question. So as I understand it, you know, during the onboarding process, when you bring in new customers, the front page or somewhere early on generally asks the customer goal-based questions. But a lot of my research has shown that Americans are tremendously financially illiterate. That is, they don't understand compound interest, risk diversification, inflation, and you name it. So my question to you is, in light of widespread financial illiteracy, might the onboarding process run the risk of asking uninformed people to set goals, which perhaps are not correct goals? 
I would agree, Olivia, I think with your research, which says that in general, uh, there's not a lot of financial literacy. And uh, and I, I don't think, and I, it sounds like we might agree about this, that just more financial education will solve that. I think the, the problem is that people will learn something, and then years later, when they're faced with a financial decision, they'll forget whatever they learned. We're just not well uh, evolved. It's not in our DNA to make long-term financial decisions. And so our belief is that the advice, the guidance, the education has to happen in the moment that you're making financial decisions. That means that the products have to provide that education, guidance, and advice. That's why this idea of having aligned fiduciary advice as your core financial relationship is so important because you have to get that advice when you're interacting with your provider. And so that advisor has to have your best interests in mind. That's why I think what we're doing is, is so important. When it comes to recommending goals, we'll recommend for you based on your age, based on your profile, um, what goals might be appropriate for you. And, uh, and, and we explain um, you know, very clearly uh, what those different goals mean so that people can make informed and, and intelligent decisions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, from my reading, and I, I probably am not looking broadly enough, it does seem like most of the robo-advisors out there concentrate primarily on young people and maybe middle-aged people, helping get their money in, helping uh, people diversify their investments and so on. But what roles can robo-advisors provide people nearing retirement or, in fact, living into retirement when they're dealing with very complicated decisions like when to claim Social Security and how to handle uh, health saving accounts and minimum distribution requirements and annuities and, and, and? Right, right. I love this question. And again, it it depends upon the service that, that you select. At Betterment, we've always had a focus on those approaching and in retirement. In fact, we have, I think, the only retirement income product that's mm-hmm. available from, uh, from say, uh, from a robo-advisor. We will tell customers how much they can withdraw each month and then automatically adjust that amount over time such that they won't run out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, we, so, and, and people and retirees love that, right? It's, it's like getting a paycheck. It's better than an annuity. Um, and uh, because it, it, it's, it's lower cost and because it's, it's taking directly from, uh, from your investments rather than selling you another product on top. Um, for, for all those other questions, Social Security optimization, all these kinds of things, absolutely important. And, and when, we take into a, when we build your financial plan, we take into account what are your Social Security benefits, what's your pension if you have one, and therefore how much income should you draw, or if you're still in your accumulation phase, how much should you be saving. We've got advisors who will talk to you as much as you want, um, uh, uh, CFPs who you can have on, on the phone to answer these kinds of questions for you. And, uh, and, and I think um, all of that uh, advice is maybe something that, that people don't necessarily recognize when they think of a robo-advisor. They think it's just uh, you know, pure technology. But we've been recognized for having the best customer support in the, in the industry by Consumer Reports. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot that we do to, to invest in our customers and to build those relationships. And I think the result of that is that 
uh, well, 30% of our assets come from customers who are 50 plus, which uh-huh. I think surprises a lot of people mm-hmm. who think that, you know, um, maybe the, the demographic is younger than that. Hmm. John Stein joins us. He is the CEO and founder of investment firm Betterment, joined here in studio by uh, Olivia Mitchell. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at bizradio111, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at danloney21. If you use uh, our option via Twitter, we'll bring up your questions uh, online, or I should say on the show as well. Uh, one of the, the big things that obviously has been talked about about a lot uh, in the last few years has been the issues surrounding fees, John. Uh, and it, it's obviously something that, uh, again, similar with the with the issues surrounding uh, financial illiteracy, people, I, I think, don't get enough of a handle on understanding the fees that are involved uh, with companies right now. H- how do you sit on that issue? We are big proponents of the Department of Labor's fiduciary role, which would have an impact on, on the disclosure of fees. One of the great things about it is it's it just like putting calorie counts on, on menus. It, it tells people what they're paying, what all the hidden costs are, uh, and makes that really clear. Uh, and then it allows consumers to make more, you know, better informed decisions once they, once they have that information. Of course, that that rule is now is, is under attack from the industry that loves to hide fees and loves to yeah. to, to mislead or, or take advantage of, of customers, and um, it's understandable why it's it's going to mean that the transfer of uh, of of, um, of of their profits back to the back to the pockets of, of customers. So we're obviously for that. It's great for consumers, and we are we are missionaries for what's right for consumers, and so we have very vocally stated. Uh, our support for that. We've been involved with the Department of Labor uh, in helping to, uh, to, to to craft that legislation. We, we continue to, to work with congressmen and women on both sides of the aisle uh, to show our support for that and why it's right for customers. I just had a follow-up because there is some somewhat controversial research about the impact of putting calorie counts on menus in some studies that have been done by reputable economists, not myself, uh, <laughs> though I am reputable. Uh, the result has been that people actually consumed more calories rather than fewer. So we can only hope that once folks are more alert to fees that they will take the right uh, path. But what I would ask you is when people do understand the fees that are associated with robo-advisors, uh, pretty soon it will become clear that there are fees associated with in the in underlying investments like the ETFs and then also the robo-advisor fees. And so the question I have is, will um, financially literate investors continue to value the robo-model enough to remain with the firms in the long run? Well, I think there's a misconception embedded in there, which is that First, that um, maybe a couple. Um, one would be that financially literate uh, consumers, um, you know, could do better elsewhere. In fact, uh, robo advisors are the best thing to do with your money. Betterment is the best thing to do with your money. Um, we will make you more money than you can make on your own. We will make you more money than you can make, um, say, uh, doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. That is uh, that is the nature of of, of our of our services. So. Um, you you would um, 
you would not be surprised then, I think the second misconception is that, that our consumers are incredibly smart. I mean, all of them have college degrees. Most of them have advanced degrees. Uh, you know, people, people are incredibly knowledgeable because you, almost, you have to be to, 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 to know and to seek the best for your money. You've got to be pretty savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, and our goal is to make these services accessible to anyone. That's why we have no minimum balance. That's why we, uh, we, 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 you know, we crow about our, our services so much. But still, our number one source of customers is referrals, right? It's people who, who are in the know, people who get it, and they refer their friends to it. That's by far the, 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 the number one way that we get customers. Excellent. Just associated with that, I've heard uh, some discussions in the industry about the very high costs of customer acquisition. Obviously, word of mouth is helpful and probably not as expensive. But generally speaking, how do you compare the robo-advisors' access to customers versus the more traditional bricks-and-mortar banks and mutual funds and, and brokers and so on? I think it, it, on average, if you take all of the, the money that we spend on marketing and all of the customers that we acquire, it probably costs us about one-tenth of what it costs a traditional firm to acquire a customer. And that's just because we have a better product. And so we're not, we don't have to spend so much to get mm-hmm. people to, to, to use it. And that, of course, drives the cost down for us. And we pass, uh, pass that value back to customers. And it's a, it's a virtuous cycle for us. Our cost to execute are also lower. So not only are our marketing costs lower, but all of our operating costs are lower. Mm-hmm. These cost advantages are really core to our competitive advantage over time, continuing to invest in driving those costs down and continuing to drive value back to customers is the core of our value proposition. But do you see robo-advising in general as a significantly growth industry in in the next several years? Uh, I mean, because obviously the, a lot of people still uh, would have the, the comfort of wanting to actually, you know, I mean, you're working with an advisor to, partly to begin with anyway, but you want to have that, that hand-to-hand contact with somebody. Yep, and, and we hear that too, and that's why at Betterment we offer – Human advisors, you can you can select the, the level of advice that's right for you. So if you want the purely digital solution, which over 90% of our customers is what they want, um, you can come to us. We have the best in, in the industry. If you want to have somebody that you talk to once a year, you can come and you can get that. If you want a CFP that you can talk to anytime you want them, we've got that. If you want to actually have an in-person advisor who's, who's meeting with you in, in the town where you live, we can recommend a, a fee-only financial planner, CFP, mm. where, where you live, uh, who will invest your money on the Betterment platform. It's nice to have that uh, panoply of options. Um, what about what happens in a down market? Um, we know that in other financial assets, shareholders tend to pull their money out whenever the market tanks because they can't stomach the losses. Is that something that robo-advisors are vulnerable to potentially? I think that that, that sort of human um, reaction, that psychology, psychology um, that, that people overreact to market downturns um, or, uh, or on, on the flip side, invest at the top, um, that's been a problem for centuries, you know, for as long as people have been, have, have been investing. Uh, and uh, and it's, it is something that we are uniquely good at combating. Um, if you look at all the, the data from, uh, from the, the, the large firms, customers give up something like half of their 
expected returns because they market time, because they, mm-hmm. they panic, because they get too excited. Uh, at Betterment, that, uh, that, that amount that customers are giving up is, uh, is, is, uh, is much smaller. Uh, it's maybe 0.25% uh, mm-hmm. um, of, uh, of, of their expected returns versus an industry average of something like 1.5%. Right. So we say that we're 1.25% better behaviorally and that mm-hmm. customers get 1.25% better returns than they would elsewhere because of the way we've built the service, because of the advice that we give. We're showing you the right information at the right times. We're, in, we're encouraging you to stay the course through the software. That's not what a broker would do, right? A broker would encourage you to trade. And in fact, when the market's down, they'll say, hey, can I reposition your portfolio for you? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it generates commissions for them. So as an advisor and having to act in the best interest of our customers, we're much better positioned to maximize your money. Let's uh, jump to the phones for a second, if, if we can, John. Uh, Jim is in San Diego with a quick question. Jim, go ahead. It's really a kind of a follow-up question to what you just answered. But the, the idea of hiring, uh, why wouldn't a, a, a consumer like myself hire a financial planner versus talking to somebody who's envir- uh, giving investment advice but also selling me products at the same time? Is there some sort of disconnect between someone who wants to sell me an investment product who's also giving me that same advice? And I'll and I'll just wait for your question. Okay. Answer. John, you 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 hit on the nose. You want to get uh, an advisor who's independent of the products that they're selling, and uh, we are an advisor. Betterment is an advisor. We're independent of of, of any products. So unlike Vanguard, and if you go to Vanguard and you talk to them, they're only going to sell you Vanguard funds. Now Vanguard has lots of great funds. But they don't have the best funds in every category. Or if you go to Schwab, they're just they're going to try and push Schwab products on you. That's what they do. They have products. They have to sell them. We're fortunate in that we don't actually manufacture our own products. And as an advisor, we're able to pick the best funds or even the best specific stocks uh, from uh, from from the the entire universe that that's available. Uh, and so that independence allows us to to give better advice. Great question, Jim. Thanks very much for the call. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Or if you can join uh, via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Yeah, just one other question, because as I understand it, Betterment is heavily committed to ETF markets, and certainly there's been an explosion of worldwide interest in ETFs. But ETFs um, have also had some liquidity problems, notably during the financial crisis. And there may be some cooling off of the popularity of ETFs. So is the bloom off the rose? Is that something that could be a challenge in the robo space? I'll take that in, in two different parts. First, on, on ETFs, the flows continue to go to ETFs. They continue to grow. I think the growth rate may be slower, but they're still taking share from mutual funds because they're, they're simply a better product. They're more tax efficient. They're generally lower cost. The fact that you can trade them uh, throughout the day and there's greater liquidity is attractive to investors. I expect ETFs will continue to grow. Um, second, I... We, as, a, as, as, a, as an investment advisor, are not tied to ETFs. Now, we do recommend mostly ETFs for our customers because of all those reasons that they're, that they're better, they're, they're more tax efficient, they're more liquid, they're, you can personalize them, you can do fractional shares, they're lower cost, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we recommend them for, for, most, uh, for most clients. Um, 
But we also manage individual stocks. We also manage mutual funds, and increasingly, we're uh, we're, we're seeing customers transfer those kinds of things in and and, and help them build uh, build portfolios ar- around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's not a there's not a one to one linkage. My own view is that in the long term, uh, we'll move to uh, in many uh, asset classes, we'll move to a post fund world. Uh, I think mm. the idea of the, of the fund was really, you know, came out of the, the, the 1930s and 40s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, it was a great technology. It was a way of, of helping to diversify individual investors. Uh, but you can actually be more tax efficient the more you personalize that, that uh, uh, the investments uh, for, uh, for an individual. And so I think we'll move to a post-fund world over time. John, thanks very much for your time. Greatly you. appreciate it, Day. All the best. John Stein, the CEO of Betterment. Many thanks to Olivia Mitchell for coming in. Second hour, for more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.